promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 16. Protect me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I have said to the Lord, you are my Lord, my good above all other. All my delight is in the godly that are in the land, upon those who are noble among the people, but those who run after other gods shall have their troubles multiplied. I will not pour out drink offerings to such gods, never take their names upon my lips. O Lord, you are my portion and my cup. It is you who uphold my lot. My boundaries enclose a pleasant land. Indeed, I have a rich inheritance. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. My heart teaches me night after night. I have set the Lord always before me. Because God is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. My heart, therefore, is glad, and my spirit rejoices. My body also shall rest in hope, for you will not abandon me to the grave, nor let your Holy One see the pit. You will show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Our reading is from Ezekiel chapter 11, beginning at the first verse. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the house of the Lord, which faces east, and behold, at the entrance of the gateway there were twenty-five men. And I saw among them Jezaniah the son of Azur and Pelatiah the son of Benaiah, princes of the people. And he said to me, Son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and who give wicked counsel in this city, who say the time is not near to build houses, this city is the cauldron and we are the meat. Therefore prophesy against them, prophesy, O son of man. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, and he said to me, Say, Thus says the Lord, So you think, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. You have multiplied your slain in the city, and have filled its streets with the slain. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Your slain whom you have laid in the midst of it, they are the meat, and this city is the cauldron, but you shall be brought out of the midst of it. You have feared the sword, and I will bring the sword upon you, declares the Lord God, and I will bring you out of the midst of it and give you into the hands of foreigners, and execute judgments upon you. You shall fall by the sword. I will judge you at the border of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This city shall not be your cauldron, nor shall you be the meat in the midst of it. I will judge you at the border of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. For you have not walked in my statutes, statutes, nor obeyed my rules, but have acted according to the rules of the nations that are around you. And it came to pass, while I was prophesying, that Pelatiah the son of Benaiah died. Then I fell down on my face, and cried out with a loud voice, and said, Ah, Lord God, will you make a full end of the remnant of Israel? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we have to read this as a continuation of this whole scene that we have that uh, began uh, in chapter eight, uh, in, in which uh, he's he's sitting with the elders and he gets lifted up in the spirit and taken to 
Israel to Jerusalem. And uh, he sees all these abominations, all these horrible things. And then he sees the vision of the idolaters in, in the land being put to death. And then we have the glory of the Lord leaving the temple. And we had in chapter 10, almost a rehashing of chapter one, right? Uh, where, where we see this, this chariot of the Lord. And now we're, we're getting close to the fulfillment of this whole scene, this whole vision that Ezekiel is having. We're taking a look at this first half of chapter 11, and then we'll take a look at the second half next week. But here we have the spirit lifting him up, taking him up and bringing him to the east gate, which is uh, where we, we last left uh, the, the glory of the Lord, the glory of God, of the God of Israel had, had rested there at the east gate of the, of the temple area. And behold, at the entrance of the gate, it says there were 25 men. If that number sounds familiar, there were about 25 men who were, uh, they, they had their backsides facing the temple and they were worshiping the sun. And there's some assumptions made, especially by some commentators, that this is those 25 men. They've finished doing what they're doing and they're on their way out of the, the temple complex. And, and he names some names. He names some people, two people. In fact, Jazaniah and Pelatiah, two people who are rulers or princes of the people, people who should know better, that are, that are leading their people astray, that are leading them down the wrong road. It, it often seems to be a good uh, Christian um, ethic to not necessarily name names, right? Because we want to come from a, a place of humility where we want to understand uh, our own sinfulness and not try to hold the sins of others against them. But at the same time, right, there is somewhat of a necessity within the church to hold people accountable, especially people who have the power in the teaching office, who have the power in, in leadership, people who have the opportunity to lead their people and they might lead them astray. And here that that's what is happening. And, and I wonder if this gets told to the elders that are there in, in Babylon, because at the end of the chapter, Ezekiel's back in Babylon and he tells all the elders exactly what he saw if they would have been been surprised. Well, these two names will come up again in just a second. But he says, Son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and who give wicked counsel in this city. They're, they're ones who uh, are, are figuring out, they're inventing, they're planning trouble. They're planning wickedness. They're planning... Uh, one commentator said they're the ones leading or planning the revolt against Babylon, the, the ones that were turning to Egypt for help. That's part of what we read in Jeremiah, that they're ones who are looking for a way to take off the shackles of Babylon. And so they're leading their people, um, yeah, devising, inventing uh, you know, these things. And, and uh, basically... Uh, what is termed here wicked counsel, uh, counseling the people uh, towards uh, trouble, towards wickedness, towards towards things that are not right. Because in part, 
If we do understand this declaration of the coming of Babylon as the will of the Lord, as God devising it, then what we discover is that um, there, there needs to be some discernment, right? For, for the people there left in Jerusalem, the, the thinking is, is that they were left behind, that the, the people taken into exile, we've talked about this before, and we're probably going to talk about it about 17 different times. Uh, the people that were taken into Babylon are the people that were being punished. And that the, the notion is, is that those who were left in Jerusalem are somehow the special ones, that they are somehow the ones who uh, have uh, the, the favor of the Lord upon them, that they're ones that uh, somehow, for, for some reason, because they got left behind, they are blessed by God. And that's what God is going to be doing is showing them that that is not the case. That we should not at any time in our life assume because of our current circumstances that we are being either punished or blessed by God. Because God's blessings come in different ways, in different forms. And oftentimes we confuse them with good fortune in our, in our lives. We confuse them with a, a, a good life. That, that somehow because things are easy, because things are good, because things are, are going the way that we think they should be going, that somehow we are um, blessed by God and that someone else who is having a, a horrible way of it are not blessed. That, that somehow someone who is living in a third world country who has no running water, who's getting by day by day, uh, just subsistence living on rice and beans somewhere or, or yams or rice, just whatever, that, that somehow they've been cursed by God and somehow God has blessed you or me because we are middle class or upper, upper middle class or even upper class, that, that we have so much in this life and we talk about it that way, right? Oh, God has just blessed us. God has just blessed us. And, and it's a wrong way to look at the world, to assume that somehow because we have good and someone else has no good, that they are not blessed by God. That we, that we assume the blessings of God to be attached to these uh, finite things, these, these things that we can touch and hold and sell. And so you have the, the people of, of Jerusalem sitting there with, devising a, a wicked plan to push against what they don't, they don't think it's the will of God that Babylon is going to come and destroy the city. They, they think that because they were left behind, that they were not taken captive and taken back to Babylon, that somehow uh, they, they are the ones that are blessed. They're the ones that escaped. And they say as much because they say the time is not near to build houses. I don't know if that's a good translation or not. Re reading uh, um, in the Hebrew and, and reading some of the commentaries, uh, there, there's a few different uh, uh, explanations for this. 
One is that they're speaking um, to the people saying, don't take the time right now to rebuild your house or to to add creature comforts to your life. Right now, the plan is for revolt. The plan is for war, right? Um, an, another way to look at it is uh, the, the, that it is, uh, the time is, is, is not near in the sense that Babylon is not going to be coming. So then build houses. So then settle. They're, they're thinking that they're proclaiming good news to the people. They're, they're looking at the way things are going and saying, oh, life is not as bad as we think it is. That, that Babylon is not on the way. They're misinterpreting what it is that the will of God is for them. Uh, and then uh, another thought is, is maybe to, you know, almost a word to the exiles, right? Don't build houses. Don't settle in Babylon because things are going to turn around. And that, that goes against what Jeremiah says, where Jeremiah comes and says to the people, no, build houses, pray for the, the, the leaders in the land in which you are pray for your city because you're going to be here for a while. Well, the people in Jerusalem think that for themselves because they, they use this, this interesting parable. The city is the cauldron and we are the meat. The notion being that you take a cast iron pan, right? Or any sort of pan, you put it on the stove. The pan gets hot and it heats up food. It makes stew. I made chili last night, for instance. Uh, and, and it heats up and it, and it warms up stuff. But the pan is there to protect the food from the fire, right? So that if it's a, if it's a well-used pan, especially cast, I love cast iron, the, the, the cast iron Dutch oven or whatnot, you can take that and basically put it right on the fire put it in the fire on the coals. If you, if you take the time to watch some videos on YouTube of these, of these, uh, uh, cattlemen who, who basically replicate how it was for, for the cattle, uh, drives and that you'd have the, the cooks there, the cookies there who would do the cooking and, and they would have these cast iron Dutch ovens that would have these flat lids that you could quite literally put stuff in shove it into the coals and dump coals on top of the lid to basically turn it into an oven to bake bread or to, to cook biscuits or, or whatever the case may be here. They're saying uh, the city is the cauldron. We're protected by, by these walls. We're protected by what we think to be is the favor or, or the grace of God. We're protected by these things and we're the meat. We are inside that cauldron and nothing is going to harm us. That's their assumption. They're, they're assuming that, well, we, we are the ones. We are the chosen ones. We are the special ones. We are part of the elect because we look at all these other things, right? Instead of understanding that we're the, that the elected ones, the, the chosen ones are the ones that are declared that by God, by the word of the Lord. And so it is here then that the word of the Lord is, is to come to Ezekiel to declare something different to these people and for us uh, to see the spirit of the Lord falls upon him. And he says, thus, you know, say this, say this thing. Thus says the Lord, 
So you think, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. In other words, well, you think uh, the problem is, is, is something else, but it's not. You think the problem is outside of you. You, you assume that you are golden, that you are fine, and that nothing can harm you. When in fact, all things are going to harm you. That Babylon is coming. You think this is how things are going to be, but it is not going to be that way. In fact, he, the Lord turns things on on its head and says, you have multiplied your slain in this city. You've done the exact thing that you're saying is not going to happen. You have killed people. You have filled the streets with the slain. The commentators think that this is the killing of people who were who were like Jeremiah saying, no, submit to Babylon. Do, do what it is that they ask, uh, the, the killing of opponents. Uh, and, and so God then speaks to him and says, you're slain whom you've laid in the midst of it. They're the meat. The dead are actually the ones that are going to be protected. They're the ones who are going to get out of this uh, unscathed to a certain extent. And this city is the cauldron. The, the ones who have already died are the ones who are rescued. But you shall be brought out of the midst of it, saying the very thing, this cauldron, this protection that you hold close to, uh, is going to be removed from you by you being removed from it. And then he, re- he, he lets them know that they're going to fall into the hands of strangers, of foreigners, saying that the very thing that they fear, the sword, is going to come upon them. And then he says, you shall fall by the sword. I will judge you. I will decide over you at the border of Israel, meaning that, that you're going to be on your way out, that either you're going to die or you're going to end up with the rest of the exiles, one or the other. Those are your two choices. But in the end, though, what is the goal? What, what's the phrase that we uh, t- have talked about a few times? It's going to come up in Ezekiel multiple times. You shall know that I am the Lord. You shall know that I am. Maybe even needs to just be the phrase. Because <laughs> we hear it here twice. Once at the end of verse 10 and once at the verse, end of verse 11. Both times saying, I am going to remove you so that you know that you are not God. That you are not the I am. That you are not the constant. That you are finite. That you shall not uh, make it through life unscathed. But I have, I will, that I am the one, I am the Lord. And he, he braids them basically saying that, that you've not walked in my statutes. You have not listened to those who have spoken to you. You've not fulfilled what I've asked of you. You've acted according to the rules of the nations that are around you. And just to put an exclamation point on it, then at the end of this section of reading, one of those rulers, one of those princes dies. Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, falls dead. And then Ezekiel freaks out. Says, are you going to destroy the remnant of Israel? This is the second time now that he's done that, that he's feared that the remnant, that what is left is going to be destroyed. And this, com- this comes back to what we've been talking about about the chosen, the special ones, the elect ones, whatever the case is that you want to talk about, 
that it is that he assumes that these are the better ones, that these are the ones that, that are going to have uh, the goodness of God fall upon them, and then it doesn't happen. That this, that this man, Pelatiah, was not only one who did not go and was rescued from exile, but he's also a ruler. He was a leader. He's blessed, God. He, he's the one that's been put in place for us. And yet God says, no, no one is going to be protected, not a single one, and to prove it here. And it's a, it's, it's a declaration to us. If, if we want to try to find the silver lining, our, our reading next week is going to be all gospel. It's going to be all good news because God gives this story and then he says, but wait, there's more. <laughs> and and he, he gives some good news for the exiles and for the ones that, that survive uh, the Babylonian captivity and, and the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem. But hear the the good news in a way for us in this reading is the fact that we find that nothing of salvation, nothing of God's will, nothing of God's plan, nothing of God's power over us, none of that is based off of us, based off of our position, based off what it is that we can do or how we think we have been blessed by God. It's not based off of whether we have the house with the white picket fence, the two cars, you know, one and a half children and a dog. It's based off of God's decision over us, and that's it. And the good news is that at the very beginning of time, God has made a decision about you because he's made you. And he said, I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you mine. And I'm going to be your God that, that you shall know me as the Lord. And yes, sometimes some things have to happen in our lives to bring us back to that, to trust in him alone, that, that we might be freed from our fear of death in knowing that we are in his hands so that even when we feel completely not blessed, we are. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the readings in church were the, from the lectionary was the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. And that whole time, God is making a declaration to you. It's not some rule of, I need to be more merciful. I need to be poor in spirit. I need to be this thing, that thing, those things, whatever. It was that at these moments in which you feel the least blessed, you are actually blessed because of my declaration to you and what it is that I'm going to give you. And here we take from this story of the fact that God's blessing comes to us because God wishes to give it to us. And that is what we need in this life. And that is what we need to cling to as we go through our week, knowing that regardless of how blessed we feel this week, God's mercies and grace come to us because they've already come to us in Jesus. They've already come to us in the cross. They've come to us in the greatest of all sufferings. They're the son of God, the son of man, creator of the universe, dying a, a criminal's death on a cross for you so that he might rise so that there's no way that we can silence God and his decision, his declaration about us because he lives forever. We cannot put him to death. We cannot shut him up. And that is good news, church, that his declaration of who we are in him 
stands forever and no one can take it away from us. No one who thinks that they are blessed by God because of the circumstances that they are in, nor under horrible circumstances where people come to us and say, oh, you are really being disciplined. You're being punished by God. No. We just trust because we know that in Christ we've been made new and that we are his and he is ours. Let us pray. O God, the strength of all who hope in you, because we are weak mortals, we accomplish nothing good without you. Help us to see and understand the things we ought to do and give us grace and power to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, church, I pray that things go well with you. Uh, Hello to whoever is listening in Sarasota, Florida, uh, whoever is listening in Copenhagen, Frankfurt, Germany, uh, here in Ridgecrest, Los Angeles, even had someone listening in Brazil last week. Uh, Please continue to share this. Bring this to you. It's it's an awesome time to be able to sit down and, and open your Bible and read along with me and listen and see. And if you have a disagreement, uh, comment on this, on these posts, share them, give us reviews wherever you listen so that we have a greater chance to reach more people with the grace and mercy of God. With that, go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you next time. Thank you.